Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 24 of The Cast of Call, where we talk all things related to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm your host, Rachel, and joining me is the other half of my quartet, the one, the only, the DJ. I don't know if I deserve that big of an announcement. <laughs> Um, I might might be a little bit off and on today, guys. I have a, a bit of a, a throat and nose cold, oh, so no. uh, if you hear me go silent, it's because I'm trying not to schnot into the microphone. Uh, I mean, a... that's what editing is for, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so for this episode, we're going to be continuing our journey through the Wastelands with an in-depth conversation about the Wastelands Book One, book one Jake, Fear and a Handful of Dust, Chapter 2, Key and Rose, section 6 through 15. Before we get into all that, DJ, remind our listener about our spoiler policy. Ladies and gentlemen, horses and cows, we want to make sure that you know where you trot and where you walk. Uh, watch the landmines because there's dirt on the ground. Uh, we will not go past any of those landmines. In other words, we will not tell you anything past the chapters that we have told you we will cover. And we will denote any spoiler zone section before we dive into it giving you time to escape and protect your safety ears yes that word (laughs) salad is exactly what our spoiler policy is (laughs) awesome okay so we don't have any itunes reviews this week um no high speech lessons so i think we can just dig right into the synopsis um dj where do we leave off Okay, so uh, basically we left off with Jake starting to mirror the craziness that Roland was experiencing with the quote-unquote twinner lifestyle of, uh, of seeing one future and one destination and the other one in his same mind. Uh, he's going a little crazy. And bam, now we're back to caught up with Jake. Um, <laughs> is, is, and I think, Rachel, correct me if I'm wrong, but we – we take off from there still in the past question mark i mean very very quickly like he kind of we're getting the very tail end where he um leaves like, school and well, he, like is, is like goes to the bowling alley i i believe and then meets up with a dude who tells him to drink a lot of vodka yeah. and he's like okay <laughs> i'm not gonna bowl today i go home and then he like sneaks in on his nanny who uh, is apparently, like, hanging out, and he continues his door-opening session, Mm -hmm. uh, scares her by looking into the pantry, and then kind of curtly she explains to him that uh, he's not getting snacks until snack time, and it's his fault (laughs) for getting in too early. And then we have a a strange, like, uh, deep dive into the fact that his nanny likes to read uh, goofy novels about people who are – or not goofy novels, uh, uh, rags from the newspaper about, like, aliens and psychic people and so on. And so I thought that was kind of a fun thing. Definitely. We did skip over something I think is kind of important. Um, so I'm gonna Yeah, I'm sorry. We gotta go back a little bit. Okay, so when we pick back up, Jake is, like, he's fresh off having this weird experience um, where he, like, should be dead, but he lived... And he decides he's just going to, like, brush it off. It's like a Twilight Zone situation. And he wants to just forget it ever happened. But pretty quickly he realizes that that is not going to be a possibility. Because as as time goes by, a second set of memories begins to surface um, about his time in the way station. So he's remembering being there and being scared, finding water, eating food. The, the man in black showing up and being terrified of him. And, of course, Roland eventually showing up. Um... And right away, people can tell something is going wrong with him. So he, like you said, he goes bowling and then, like, talks about vodka and then bounces. But but this section, the reason I want to go back is because I think it's really interesting because we're getting some actual insight into how the mental paradox manifests itself. So, like, we've been, like, basically anytime we were talking about this with Roland, we found out about his mental state, like, when he was, like, pretty far down this path, right? Mm-hmm. So, um... Like, I when at the time, you kind of seemed like, you were like, what is your problem, dude? But I don't know that we understood how this actually functions and uh, until now. And so it's great because in terms of, like, the writing style, we're not just covering the same ground again by just sort of, like, basically presenting the way the process in this section. Like, it, it feels like fresh new information, but it also sheds a lot of light about what's going on into in, in Roland's mind. And I wanted to know if, like, going through this section and understanding how 
messed up this would be to have these like other memories surfacing if that gives you any more sympathy towards Roland's experience with his mental breakdown. Uh, no, <laughs> not really. Damn, you are cold. So, uh, okay, so th- this section, what I do like is that um, in the previous section when he was uh, Stephen King was writing about Jake as like a mentally disturbed child, like getting broken down by this whole like double life, double brain sort of thing. He he was kind of like he was over descriptive, but not on anything in particular. It was just like talking about things a lot, you know, describing the environment around him. In this case, uh, you start to hear uh, uh, Stephen King reference actual words from the uh, where Roland is at. So you know, like we start to hear Tower mentioned quite a bit, and emphasis on things about the way station, and emphasis on and the the spinoffs from that are actually like more descriptive of the future plot and the previous plot than it was in the last section. So I, I like that, but it doesn't bring me like any closer to feeling bad for Roland or Jake because it's still, it's still like kind of like a hard thing to grasp. And mm-hmm. even there's a section where he describes like a psychic flash and it's a white hot, um, burning thought in his mind. And then like, he compares it to the his nanny reading the paper only when they have a psychic flash like a nuclear bomb takes out an entire city or they right. uh, just barely dodge a plane crash by like losing their plane ticket stuff like that and and that that's dramatic but i i, I don't know i uh, maybe i'm not uh, pa- uh, not passionate maybe i'm not uh, uh consoling compassionate? Yeah, compassionate enough okay. uh, i i just i don't know i don't I'm like, come on, kid, you got this. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> That's so messed up. Okay. The other thing is, is like, once again, we just see how sad Jake's life is. That like, even the house when the housekeeper like offers to look at his paper, like you can just tell it's like part of her job. It's not something she actually really cares about. And then you know, all these people who are kind of like on the fringe of his life, like his teachers and his his like sort of friends, notice something's wrong with him, but his parents don't. Like, it's just sad. It's just a sad existence. You can understand why Midworld would be so appealing to him, even if he wasn't, like, going crazy, uh, you know, with these two sets of memories. Like, you could see why a kid like this would want to go and, like, have these adventures. for, like, some other life. Yes. But, so, I guess, like, when I think of the description of a waking nightmare, I think of, like... Uh, you know, uh, the, the death tolls around me is like, you know, armies are shot down by m- new machine guns and they are walking in with knives, you know, or something like that. But I, I don't think of a kid who's like, I saw a, a vendor drink a glass of Yoohoo and a lady holding a, a baby wrapped in a red blanket that was a doll in her purse like that. Oh, God, really? Yeah. I, to it, me, just, the most terrifying thing, the most terrifying thing that could possibly be is to like not be able to trust your own mind that's yes to to not to like the loss of sanity is terrifying to me you trust your you trust your mind i mean to i mean i understand that our minds can play tricks on us but what i'm talking about is like a total disconnect from reality is terrifying to me and i I, think that's what he's experiencing like we know as the readers what's happening is this paradox but like to someone who doesn't understand that a paradox is happening this is just like a complete and total breakdown of, of their like mental health like that's terrifying to me but if you have a tool and you use that broken tool to analyze the tool then you'll never really like know for sure what's going on so then you're just in a loop of not know i I actually i I don't want to go too far into the mental health (laughs) stuff i mean i'm just saying like to me that's the that that's a waking nightmare to me i think that so a description for me if you if you ask me if i told you something i'm like here's what happened and you said are you are you sure I would look at you for a second and be like, nope, nope, now that you've asked, I'm not sure. We should probably go check. And, <laughs> and that's how I live my entire life. So, like, at work or anywhere else, you know, uh, someone will ask what I did, and I'll, I'll tell them. And if they're like, well, what about this? I'm like, well, I thought it was this way, but now that you asked, I don't know. Let's go look. And so I'm never really sure of anything, to be honest with you. So I guess I mean, to, I... to me that makes life normal. I don't know. I feel like there's a difference between being like, 
yeah, I'm not sure if that's how that went. Oh, then having two thing, two thoughts, opposing thoughts being like certain that something is something. Mm. Okay. Does that make it, sense? Yeah. All right, whatever. We're spending way too much time yep, on the moving show. on. Moving on. <laughs> All right. So uh, Jake goes to bed, waking nightmare, uh, not doing really great. A lot of pressure on his brain and his brain pan. Um, he's getting <laughs> conflicting memories. Yeah. He's stressing out a bit. And then we have this like kind of cool Jake dives out into New York and like he's walking around the city. And... Yeah. We're caught up to like truant era Jake. Yep, exactly. So out of time travel time and back to regular time. And I find this odd, but maybe um, 1960s New York businessmen just sat around and played tic-tac-toe all the time. Is is that a thing? No. And I actually – that's something I have notes about that. Okay. And while we're on that subject, this is where the keyword tower keeps popping up in conversation, names, and so on as Mm -hmm. Jake wanders around uh, along with like other – key and hintful words that basically oh yeah describe you know not his world and the world that he's dreaming of and and these coincidences are sort of more than coincidence but they almost they like make each time they happen they bring a little bit of joy to jake and you can actually feel this in the interaction with him and these two businessmen that he finds on the street playing tic-tac-toe when like the guy gives him a wry smile about skipping out of school and like jake's like yeah and winks at him you know it's like a beautiful day i'm gonna go wander around and that actually is kind of like i guess maybe that's why i have a little bit of hard time with the whole like oh no the pressure on my head whatever is because then all of a sudden he's like cheery boy walking through sunny new york having a good time but i think that's the point like all the description of the endless suffering and the crushing pain of losing his mind is meant to set up this section because we find because by seeing how much suffering he's doing up until this point you like actually can understand how much relief he would feel and how much of the weight would be lifted off of his shoulders um, you know, like we understand the burden, um, of oh, just escaping his, his, his regular tragic life and moving on to something separated from that. Well, I think what's happening is he's getting on the path of caw because oh. he, ha- yeah. So like basically at this point, up until this point, he has been completely lost and like, it's getting worse and worse and worse, but he's off track. Once he, he kind of gets on this path and once he starts to feel like this instinctual pull in the right direction like the the, the voices in his mind quiet um and we get and the, the reason i said like i have notes about this this these businessmen is like this is a point where i kind of feel like stephen king kind of gilds the lily right um <laughs> because we meet these two men right and he has this realization about the fact that he actually feels good and the reason he feels good is because he knows he's doing the right thing and also because the voices have quieted but and he's talking to these two men who are bizarrely playing tic-tac-toe on the side of like a, a construction site and if you think about what that game i mean that's a game that basically always ends in a stalemate and like these are two men who have been playing this for years so they've been friends for years and it's like this perfect metaphor for exactly what's happening in jake's mind right like it's just these two this just cycle of stalemate of two opposing voices um and like he the problem is is then from there like like i'm like oh that's a great metaphor and then he follows it up with jake like actually making a metaphor about like I imagine that in my head there are two men and they are arguing back and forth and it's getting angrier and angrier and more and more aggressive and then suddenly they're distracted by a circus and like now it's getting quiet in his mind because they're distracted because there's something there's like a larger force like pulling that attention away is what's happening in his mind and I mean it's that's a great metaphor too but I feel like the back to back it kind of like I would have preferred the more subtle choice that's just a stylistic thing um but I do like the idea of, of them being distracted by a circus. I just feel like that's a very foreboding metaphor, particularly considering how Stephen King writes about clowns. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just so happy Jake finally catches a damn break. You know, he's like on the right track, you know. And I, I suspect, this is just me, my conjecture, but like in this moment, if you were to look at the shadows around Jake, they would all be bending in a particular direction because he's back under the umbrella of Kaw. 
So I'm a little confused here because when I went through that section, I thought like I kind of a part of my mind and maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention uh, was thinking like there was actually uh, a ruckus and a, a circus off and around the corner. No, 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 no. He's like making a metaphor. Like he's like in his oh, mind. Oh, okay. Yes. And that's the thing. And so the question is, all right, if that's the case, if they're distracted by the circus, metaphorical circus, what is distracting the voices in his head? Like what has made them quiet? And that's the thing that like fills him with like, I'm moving in the right direction. I'm being drawn towards something. Like I'm heading toward the white. I like your uh, tic-tac-toe um, analogy, and actually uh, that's a, a really good binaural way of describing this because yeah. with tic-tac-toe, you either have a stalemate or you have a winner. You never you never have both. So that outcome is like you, – you remember um, the thermal nuclear war? Yes. Uh, it's like of that. Course. Where it's like they're playing tic-tac-toe over and over and over and over again yeah. until finally the resultant is – what you know the computer wanted so that jake's mind can be normal again yeah i just love the bizarre visual idea of that too like it takes on this dreamlike quality which is actually really important for this section because we're gonna be talking about dreams in a minute here <laughs> all right uh okay so moving on jake's still wandering around new york he he makes a good quip at these guys playing tic-tac-toe and then like winks and wanders off and then next thing you know, he's walking down a place or down another street, and he finds himself in front of a tower bookstore. Mm-mm, nope. No? Am I, did I jump too far again? Uh, there is – well, he ends up at a bookstore, but it's not called Tower Bookstore. What's it called? Uh, I thought it had Tower in the name. The bookstore is called the Manhattan Restaurant of the Mind. Oh, and okay. And then all the books had um, food themes like a hard-boiled Gresham novel from Florida and like some sunny yeah. side up – Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, sir, go ahead and talk about the bookstore. Oh, oh and so. Then we'll, we'll get into all So he rolls by it. the bookstore. I swear there is a tower reference somewhere yeah, there around is. the bookstore. It's later. It's and, later. Okay, okay. So. Well, there is a tower. There's a very big tower reference in the bookstore. Well, yeah, but I mean, on his way into the bookstore. Well, okay. Mm-mm, it's after the bookstore. You're thinking of Tower Records. and it, Yes, yes, yeah. I am. Yeah, okay, okay. That's after he leaves the bookstore. Son of a gun! <laughs> All right, so Jake rolls into this bookstore, and like, I kind of um, like the the it's a food themed bookstore, which is actually kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And like, he gets in there, and there's like some lingerers who are like reading books in the back, drinking coffee. And there's an old guy working the counter that it has like, I know that they don't do uh, Stephen King doesn't do a ton of, of description of him but i kind of picture a dapper older gentleman with like a vest uh uh being like almost um uh colombo about things you know just like okay kid you know and like and then he like kind of um gives him a little shot of poetry and then jake goes back at him a little bit and they like have this sort of cute little banter that i really enjoy and then Mm -hmm. jake heads into the bookstore and finds a children's book about charlie the choo-choo Mm-hmm. which obviously has a lot of significance. Um, and then he also finds a book of, of uh, riddles. Riddle and, the, and the riddle book is interesting because I didn't – I mean I, I, I somewhere in the back of my head I knew this, but that uh, that whole thing about um, the suitors for the famous uh, uh, princess and like the riddle that no one could solve and then the guys got her aside and like got her to tell him the answer. What? That was that was in this section, right? The um Are you talking about Samson? Yeah, yeah, Samson. Okay. Is this in the notes and I just should have read the notes? <laughs> I mean, we are all little all over the place. <laughs> okay. I'm so I really enjoyed the bookstore section, but yeah. like oh, yeah. I'm not I'm not good with continuity. No, that's fine. Okay, so so let me let me backtrack and like let's pull like, let me, me out of the No the worries. I feel like I've you been. hit a lot of the, the right things. You just did them in an interesting more um interpretive order (laughs) okay so he reaches this bookstore which we talked about has the the menu board outside and he heads in and he's like unsure if he has lucked into this place or if he was meant to go there but when he sees this display of books he knows for sure that that fate has brought him to this place it is a display of children's books and on the on, on this display of children's books there is a copy of a book called charlie and the choo choo by beryl evans and is like, Beryl Evans of significance? Beryl Evans, I read that she, um, 
I tried to see if it was like an anagram or something like that. Um, but it turns out that Beryl Evans, there is, there was a Beryl Evans who was murdered by a serial killer in the 30s. Hmm. Um, who basically the person eventually confessed to the murder, but not until after her husband had been put to death for the crime. What? And I don't know if that's a coincidence or if that is um, like an intentional reference. I'm not sure. Unclear. Um but and so he finds that he finds the the riddle book and he just knows he has to have these books. There is significance to them, and it's at this point that he turns around and is introduced to the purveyor of the of the bookstore, um, sort of this odd, dapper kind of character who kind of messes with Jake a little bit. You could say Columbo esque, maybe Columbo. There is a Columbo esqueness to him. Um, and he kind of gives him a hard time. He makes these literary references. Um, he calls him a hyperbarian wanderer. And they haggle over the price of the books, and he is able to pay for them. Um, but what is really significant is this guy's name. Uh, we're introduced to Calvin Tower. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's the tower. I'm sorry. That's... Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, yes, which like puts Jake like on you know like he like it shocks him right and the guy is like well, you look like you've seen a ghost um and they they kind of form like a strange like I wouldn't say friendship but like a little bit of a, a banter about the two of them right I like and, their interaction a lot oh it yeah was like it made me like smile and in fact um when he's bargaining with them um over the books and he starts out at like 12 and you actually like i i believe unless i just imagine this i believe one of the the spectators in the back that was drinking coffee and reading was like thief you know and then like put his book back up to and then he like wanders around and is like well i suppose seven dollars i guess you know since it's such a beautiful day Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do like kind of like the vibe of these like old dudes that are hanging out in the bookstore and like they clearly have a friendship. There's like a few of them sort of like regulars. Yeah. And one of them is a guy named Aaron Debno. And um, Aaron is someone that I suspect we'll see again. Um, but he what's interesting is his name. He has a he is there is a character named um, Ed Debno, who is sort of the bad guy in Insomnia. Um, we'll get into it at a later date. It's a little messy whether or not they are the same character. Okay. If this is a Stephen King universe thing or if there is some hijinks afoot, but we cannot talk about that till much, much later. So, but I just want to put, I want to like make the case for remembering Aaron Deepnell. Um, the other thing that's interesting about this section, um, there is, I mean, we're going to get into it, but before we get too deep into the dream stuff, because this is where we're going to start talking about dreams. Um, Tower keeps referring to Jake as a Hyperborean wanderer. And, what is that? Well, I researched it a little bit. And by research it, I mean, I just looked at Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because, like, it, it's just kind of an interesting thing that, like, Calvin is calling him a wanderer. Because we basically just spent the last ten sections of this chapter with with Jake wandering and lost and feeling like he's a person out of place, right? So hyper the uh, hyperbarians were in Greek mythology were a race of giants who lived who were from Hyperborea and they um, were the people who lived beyond the North Wind. Okay, so um, we're not going to get super deep into Greek mythology, but basically, what's interesting about them is like in some myths they live in the Arctic Circle, which is because it's like the place where there's sun all year round. But in some versions of the myth, they actually don't come from any physical location at all. And so, like the metaphor is basically that Jake is this lost soul who's like caught with no real, like actual home. Like, for instance, like he can't really go to his his New York home because like he's going crazy and like. He feels disconnected from those people. And like it's not really a home. But he also can't go to his true home in Midworld because he's caught in this other world. So it's kind of an interesting... It's a kind of interesting that he brings this up. I do think that that's kind of what King is getting at with this reference. Um, but yeah. So and also, we're going to have to talk about dreams. That one I figured you would, would know the answer to. So I just figured I'd <laughs> lean on Rachel to tell me. Okay. So um, I had to go back and look at a lot of, like, I had to go back and look at old sections and read my notes and stuff. Okay. But if, I'm going to take you back to when we were back in <laughs> Midworld and, <laughs> and Eddie was dreaming. Okay. Okay. So if you remember Eddie's first dream, um, where he is in New York, he is on Second Avenue on a warm, sunny day. 
The bookstore is on Second Avenue on a warm sunny day. I thought it was on Fifty Second Avenue. Nope. He the thing is, is Jake is on like Fifty Fifth or whatever, and then he feels drawn to like backtrack and go down Second Avenue. So then I went back and looked, and Eddie is on Second Avenue as well. Um, he in in Eddie's dream, he is carrying a book called it's a Thomas Wolfe's "You Can't Go Home Again." Which has resonance for Eddie because we know in that context he's homesick. He can't actually go back to New York again. But then when we add to this the layer of Jake, he's someone who can't, who like wants to go home to the nude world and can't. And he's a hyper, like a hyperbarian who has no home. So there's like, uh, there's, I think what we're learning now is this, the symbolism around Eddie's dream is now working with, with Jake as well. Um, he also goes to a delicatessen and, if you remember the outside of this this tower, or the outside of the bookstore, had a de- like a deli sign. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. a little fuzzy because there's also deli stuff coming up a little bit later that's referenced to this dream. But I do think that this is one of those dream logic things where it applies to both places. Hmm. And yes. Um, so that's the first. And then once he, what's inside when he goes inside? The tower. Calvin is inside. Calvin Tower. So like there's a couple of different places where we're now finding out like, when we first listened to that dream, we kind of had put our own, like we'd put a certain set of meanings on things and we had discarded other parts of it that didn't make sense. We're now understanding that every, basically every single thing that happens in that dream has significance. And um, there are things that we know from foreknowledge. There are things that we knew from context about what we knew about Eddie at this point. But now in this section, we find out that there's actually a lot of little subtle things in that dream that are referring to Jake. Um, And that starts with this. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit more as we, as, as Jake proceeds, but before we go too much further, we need to talk a little bit more about Greek references. <laughs> <laughs> so you reference something about like a, a, one of the riddles in the book. So Jake actually goes outside. He like, they ask him to stay and have coffee and do play some chess and stuff. And he's like, no, nah, I gotta go. I got like, you know, there are more worlds in these. I gotta bounce. So he leaves and he goes outside. He just steps outside and opens up the riddle book and starts reading the introduction. And there's Greek references there, which I think, again, highlight the fact that, like, he, we've had these, like, Greek references inside the store. So I think that's kind of like Stephen King, like, being like, okay, these are all things that are tying together. Um, there's also Roman references, and then there's biblical references, including the riddle of Samson, which... Um, you know, from biblical stories, Samson was, like, the powerful guy that, like, tore down the the temple, except for that, like, his wife, Delilah, down. gets cuts his hair, and he, like, betrays him. But what we learn is there's, like, an earlier betrayal, which, I mean, if you are someone who's very Bible savvy, you probably already knew this. I should, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> is that on their wedding day, he had this riddle that he told people... And Delilah snuck around behind him and told those people what the answer was. And then he was so mad, he killed the people who she told. So, like, it basically is kind of a foreshadow of, like, riddles are serious business. They are a matter of life and death. They're not just fun little brain teasers. And, like, they can have, like, sinister and very high stakes. So he steps back in. He, uh, Aaron Deepno tells him the answer is honey and lions and he goes on his merry way. So yeah, Jake, he leaves cause he's eager to move on and, um, he starts heading down the road and stuff starts happening. Well, there's one last here. little quip that, uh, right before Jake leaves that, uh-huh. uh, that I really enjoyed. And it's the two old men back and forth and like Jake, uh, uh, responds with, uh, there are more worlds than these. And the old man's like, touche. No, no, no. Uh, it's, uh, I'm not going back to school. Like, that way lies madness. Oh, yeah. That way lies madness. There you go. And yeah. the, the guy's like, touche. And then uh, the other guy's like, maybe there's hope for this generation yet. And the, <laughs> the guy's like, no, no, no. Every once in a while, there's a good egg, but the rest of them are all crap. Did you feel like very seen in that moment where you're like, yes, fellow grumpy old men. Yes, exactly. And, like, <laughs> and this just like it boils back to every every group of older people and younger people where like yeah. the last group of older people always feels that the next group of younger people are not as significant, important or interesting or have anything to say compared to their generation. Yep. <laughs> Oh yeah, good. All stuff. right, so moving on. So uh, Jake takes off. He's uh, he's heading back down the street, wandering around, and then 
he comes across yes. Tower Records, the infamous, famous, and now uh, defunct record store <laughs> that made so many bands in New York. And the term tower bounces around again. He's kind of thinking about the train and the book he just got. And that's all I really got from this section. Okay, cool. So there are a few things that happen here. You know, Jake leaves. He's got the riddle on his mind. But as soon, like, he, it gets pushed out of his head because he's just, like, so filled with anticipation as this, like, feeling of momentum is pulling him forward towards something good and he just knows that he is on the right track and in the process that same feeling of like pre-deja vu that he had on the day that he almost like he was supposed to die kicks in again but instead this time it feels like a really positive feeling he knows that there's going to be a homeless man who asks him for change he knows that he's going to walk by a record store and it's going to be playing the rolling stones he knows that you know um <clears throat> oh he's going to see his reflection at in in a window and he's right you know as he moves forward a homeless man approaches him outside of a business that is called choo choo mamas so that's (laughs) interesting that's that that goes back like again we're getting a like a lot of things as we as he's moving forward down this path of call are clicking into place like everything starts to take on a significance he's walking towards a record store and he hears rolling stones and it's painted black which is the you know i see a red door and i want to Peanut black. That one. So, like, we're getting doors, right? Um, and then okay, he looks, okay. and it's the Tower of Power Records. Then he keeps walking, and he sees this. Um, he looks in the mirror or window, and there's, like, dozens of mirrors in a store called Reflections of You. I'm like, okay, Stephen King, I see you. And he sees dozens of himself standing there in his, like, his Piper School uniform. And um, well, as I thought, his, wait a minute. I thought he, there wasn't an actual no, uniform, it's but not it's a, as close yeah. to a uniform as it could be without being correct. a uniform. You're correct. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, you know, he sees all these dozens of Jake staring back at him. And then in this moment, it clicks and he knows exactly where he's supposed to go. He knows what he's supposed to be doing, that there is this delicatessen at the end of the street that is waiting for him. And he just runs. He's like dodging people and gets hit by a car. He's jumping over strollers, like just like the full Terminator run down the street. Well, that's a weird thing. So the the car incident, like when he he runs out in front of the car, he has this sort of like moment with the driver yeah. where the driver's almost not mad at him he's just like you crazy kid <laughs> but that's it and like and, that's, and there's almost like this sense of euphoria of rightness that like everybody is caught up in i think is what they're kind of getting at okay because so, so the reason i defaulted you here is because i was so confused after i went through this little chunk because i'm like mm-hmm. i don't I don't understand what's going on here and then like i i actually ended up focusing mainly on like jake having exact change for the homeless guy and wondering what that was all about <laughs> and then like the guy stared at him the car like caught me off guard i'm like what is this about and i missed the obvious stuff and was focused on some minutiae i'm sorry well that's fair because there's some minutiae here so he runs down the street he's so sure that he's going to reach this delicatessen and behind that door that door is finally going to be the one that he can open and he enters into the the world he belongs in but he gets there to his horror to discover nothing it's just a weedy lot and he is distraught end of section now do we believe that that will be there in the future the past or the future past i don't know Hmm. but i have hope and the reason I have hope is because I've read the books before. No, because <laughs> um, because this section is chock-a-block with references to Eddie's previous dreams. Is Again. It? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, Leia, yes, I mean, yes. You're way better with this whole. Well, I like... went back and read the sections because I was like, there was like enough. Like I was like, like my little spidey senses were tingling. I was like, this sounds familiar. So I went back and I read his two dreams. And um, so in this, basically, this section confirms that while Jake has been dreaming about the prisoner and the ladies of shadow, lady of shadows and writing about him in his essay, the prisoner has been dreaming about him. In his second dream, Eddie is heading, when he's heading back to Tom and Jerry's artistic deli, which could be a bookstore or a deli, so you choose, um, <laughs> he does, he's basically seeing everything that Jake is is seeing in his vision, is referenced here in Eddie's dream. Um, there's a homeless man who approaches J- Eddie in his dream, it's, it's Enrico Salazar, uh, or Balazar, sorry, Enrico Balazar. 
um, he hears the Rolling Stones song coming from a record store. Oh, and, yeah, you're right. And at the time, we were like, oh, doors. Yeah, because he went through doors on the beach. Yes, but also it's literally what's going to happen to Jake. Um, and he also, he reaches a point where he looks in, in a, a shop called Reflections of You into a window and he sees himself and he's tan and he's dressed like the uber yuppie. In other words, he's in the Piper School uniform, quote unquote uniform. What? Yes. So like, mm. this is the moment where we really understand what it means to be under the umbrella of Cotet. Like, these people are almost becoming one. They are dreaming about each other. They are dreaming about themselves being each other. So, like, it's kind of amazing. Like, all the, like when we listened to, like, when we read his dream, having not read the book in years, like, I was very, like, full of myself. Like, I understand all of the references that are in this dream. <laughs> no, I don't! Because, like, two, you know, two, ten sections later, all of these things are coming true, literally. Like, as, and it also reaffirms that, that Jake is on the right path. Because as he's getting closer to um, this destination, more and more is falling into place between these two, like, disparate groups. And, like, it's showing that the gap between them is closing. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that's okay. So I was, I, I was really, and maybe that was something. Like the reason I corrected you on the Piper School thing is not because I was trying to be a turd. No, but, you're totally right. But I yeah. was just like, I was like, why is he spending so much time describing the uniform? What does right. this even mean? And then right. you just brought it all home. Yes. And, and like I, it's a callback. Yeah, I thought I was just being a little like wacky, thinking like, oh, this is odd that he would focus in on like his clothing and apparel choices, but then that's what he sees in the mirror is kind yes. of, huh? Okay, yep. I mean, I feel like you have brought this chapter, and I assume we're ready for closing on this because yeah, yeah. I would I would tell you, Rachel, and this is complete compliment that this chapter uh, that I was about to poo-poo has suddenly <laughs> uh, turned into something that I have now re renewed joy for. Um, Yay! I, I originally had gone through this like I did the last portion of this chapter, kind of like, uh, more Jake psychic damage trauma crap. But then this section here, you caught me and made me happy again. So oh, thank good. you. Yeah, this section was really good. And I, I think I would have probably been on the same page with you. Like this feels like a lot of filler. If I hadn't like, like if it hadn't, like I said, tickled my, t my spidey senses and like made me go back and reread those, e those, um, those dreams. And then I was like, <gasps> this is so cool. <laughs> well, uh, so to 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 be fair, I just got off of a, a, a deep dive into some bad sci-fi. Okay. And so there um, there is an author, and he writes these horribly long books, and the books um, almost always have no payoff at the end. Oh my and god! Like, uh, and they like spend hours describe like if a character walks down a street in the future. It's not uh -huh. like he walked down the street. It's like Joe stepped forth onto the enzyme bonded concrete as the dusty air of the oh, future planet no. brushed across <laughs> his shoulder and people stared at his poor choice in clothing. And like, it goes on like that for like a couple paragraphs. And then it's like, and then he walked out into the street, you know, it's like, Whoa, <laughs> screw you. I just wanted this. And the author's name, I just Googled it while I was stalling is Alistair uh -huh. Reynolds. And most of his books are crap. Um, Why are you reading them? Because they're they're so good until they get to the crap part. Oh, he has no. one really good one really good book I would recommend to everybody called Chasm City, okay. and uh, that one is like a space drama detective story set Ooh. on another planet with like talking pigs that are the um, lower class taxi drivers and like upper class people doing body mods and living in like glass boxes so that they don't get diseased. And mm. uh, it's, it's super good and has a beginning, middle and end, uh, which is far more than I can say for most of his other books. All right. So, all right, good. I'm glad that you had positive feelings about this chapter. I too really enjoyed this chapter. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, in I'm very interested in understanding how this paradox works. I get very like hyper focused on it, and this chapter gave me answers. And then I also just really loved all of the dream stuff and like having that moment of like where you solve a riddle, like where you solve a puzzle, always feels so satisfying. So, yeah, Definitely. I really enjoyed this chapter. 
<laughs> I never, I would have never put together the the clothing in the mirror and Jake's clothing in the mirror. It was, it was going back and reading them, and I was like, what? But I would, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then I wonder, okay, this is just odd, but I wonder if the guy that Jake, like, has FaceTime with in the car that, like, winks at him and then, like, tells him to piss off is also one of Eddie's, like, gangsters that he murdered in, hmm. you know what I mean? Because, like, s- several of those characters have, like, yeah. like, that vibe felt to me, like, that, and I focused on the guy in the car so much just because it was like, well, why? What yeah. was that about? And like, I'm gonna go back and reread and see if I can find if there is a companion in the in the dream. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, yeah. uh, great. Uh, much better than I thought it was gonna be. En- enjoyed this section. Awesome. All right. So, plan for next episode. We are gonna finish chapter two. So, uh, we'll be reading uh, the Wastelands book one, Jake, Fear and a Handful of Dust, chapter two, Key and Rose, sections sixteen through twenty three. uh, spoiler alert i'm traveling on a plane so i might actually end up making it through four or five books (laughs) all right well then you are gonna be you're gonna be like jake you're gonna see the dang future (laughs) awesome okay so we don't have any connections to stephen king universe that i haven't already touched on do you want to talk a little dark tower series news yeah let's do it what do you got after months and months of nothing happening and kind of almost losing hope like this is two times in a row now that we've recorded and there's been some like actual updates on the series. So I wanted to, I don't know if you have, I don't think you've seen the headlines, so I'm going to break, no. this is breaking news. <laughs> I've been too, too deep in the Mueller investigation to, to pay attention. Oh God. I like, I had to check out like my, I, my stress <laughs> level was just like too much. So. Well, let's talk about something happy. So yeah, in exactly. Stephen King universe, <laughs> I'm guessing we have some news on the television series. That is correct. Okay, so first of all, I just want to like put the put this out here that there may be spoilers ahead for if you are a first time reader, you probably want to check out at this point because we're going to be talking about book four. We're going to be talking about larger series stuff. So if so, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Um, but if you don't care about spoilers or you've already read through, hang in there. And we're just gonna like you probably already are up to date with this because you're as obsessed with this series as. Well, I am apparently on DJ, but I just kind of wanted to like get your, like, I just wanted to talk about it basically. So, all right. So we officially have our new Roland and Martin Broadcloak. Okay. Have you, so you have not seen this. Okay. So they have now cast who's going to be playing um, Roland and Martin, AKA the man in black, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um, so actually, I probably should send you a link so you can actually, because these are not names that, I like, you may have seen them in things, but I don't know if you'll recognize their names. I know I didn't. So I'm going to put this in the chat for you. So Roland is going to be played by a, a British actor named Sam Strike, who most recently played Monty Russell in Mindhunter. Did you watch any of that Netflix series about the serial killers? No. I try okay. to stay away from that. It makes me sad. Oh. <laughs> So he's going to be playing Roland. And then do you watch that series Vikings? Uh, yeah, I've seen a couple episodes. It's really good, but I haven't had time to watch the rest. Okay, did you did you watch Black Klansman when it came out? Uh, no. Vikings okay. is the one where, like, the uh, it's, like, kind of a joke view of the Vikings from back in the day. No, and, this like... one's, like, crazy serious on the History Channel. Oh, okay. Then what's the one where, like, the guy is like, all right, you older people need to jump off this cliff uh, because it's part of this, like, thing. And the one guy's like, okay. And then he jumps off the cliff. And the other guys are like, I don't think so. And then they just, like, walk off. I don't know. It's like a a comedy Viking show that's like, no? Am I the only one that's seen this? Okay. I mean, of the two of us, I'm sure there's people out in the audience that are, like, yelling at the the podcast right now. I once heard... um, uh, like someone said, like if you want to know what it's like to be a ghost, like be a podcast listener when they're saying something wrong on the show and you know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like someone's having a ghost experience right now. Um, well, okay, so I've not seen that, but if you are a Vikings fan, you'll probably recognize the guy who's going to be playing Martin. It's Finnish actor Jasper Pakonen. I practice this. <laughs> I practice this. Jasper Pakonen. Um, who was also, he was sort of the scariest of the Ku Klux Klan, um, guys in Black Klansmen. Hmm. So I think 
one thing obviously that stands out is clearly they have decided they're going it's is going to be 100 percent a reboot this is, has no connection to the movie what do you think about that choice i mean fine i i, I kind of like adris alba and yeah. i was like actually looking forward to him in the television series mm-hmm. um and it when you start like that it seems like you should just stick to it right but no uh, these guys might do okay like uh, there's so many different reboots where things go sideways or go way off from it. And I still like them, you know, come right. on. We didn't get Kurt Russell in the Stargate franchise. Mm, good, good point. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, but I know what you mean. It's not like quite on, but like, you know, it's still like it turned, turned out. Okay. And like, yeah. so maybe these guys will still like fall into the roles and like, this is a different time in their life. So, you know, yeah, but maybe being like in a different time frame makes it better. I guess, uh, mm-hmm. or, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know either one of these actors. They both right. look like Gennaro's to me. So, <laughs> am I wrong? No, and I'm gonna steal that word. It's Gennaro. <laughs> you just like you see them, and they're like they got they got so little um, going on just from these pictures that like right. you can't really put it hang anything on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess maybe the sinister. Uh, goatee, I suppose. <laughs> um, he was really scary in Black Klansman. I can say that. And he, like, uh, in, I don't watch Vikings, but I was trying to find clips because I wanted to see what these two guys were like. There's, like, no clips of him acting on, <laughs> on YouTube. It's fucking irritating. But, um, like, he looks like, like, when he's dirtied up, he looks a little, he looks a little less, like, you know. Oh, that mustache and goatee make him look like Colonel Sanders. So I guess I could see like <laughs> a, a Klansman in that sort of setup. Um, yeah. The other guy, it looks like he, I guess he looks like he could be like a closet serial killer with that little chin and the long neck yeah. and the high forehead. Uh, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know. So, but what do you think about him as Roland? Now you gotta remember, like our Roland, that when we think of him, he's pretty rough around the edges, and this dude's pretty baby faced. Both of these guys are baby faced. Like, yeah, I feel like when I start these a two, picture of let me find a picture of Jasper um, from from uh, Vikings because he looks very different when he's not like in a tux. I will okay. say that. Okay. Oh wait. Because looking at both of these guys, they both look pretty clean cut to play either character. And these are, like, cowboys, like, doing cowboy stuff, being, like, dirty in, you know, a futuristic past world. Why are they so... Well, let me show you what, what he looks like, and I'll put this in the show notes for other people, what he looks like as the in Vikings. Oh, yeah, that's not too bad, I like, guess. We're getting warmer, right? Like, yeah. you want to see him be a little spooky. Um, he looks, it's crazy though. When he was in Black Klansman, like for the first half of the movie, I was totally distracted because I was just like, is that rickety cricket from, <laughs> so, it's always sunny. But eventually I decided no, <laughs> but he does have a, he has a rickety cricket-esque-ness to him. But, hmm. um, yeah. Um, so yeah, so there, that's him there. Let me see if I can find Sam and Mindhunter. So you can get, you can see them in character, um, and get a kind of an idea of, how they can look different depending on their roles. I don't know if you, if you're going to go w- with uh, a white actor, I, I almost feel like a Clint Eastwood looking guy would have been better. This is, this guy is like a little more baby faced and kind of right. has like a, uh, maybe, a, you know, the picture that you sent me from the uh, Amazon news link, he has yeah. a little bit more of a chin, but he mm-hmm. still has kind of like, like I'm still working my working you on my baby fat. You want more of a, like a hardcore jaw situation for Roland. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. that square needs to start at your ears and work its way down to your chest. You know, like <laughs> it needs to be. You want like a full like trapezoid situation. Exactly. <laughs> well, I will say he does have the blue eyes, so that's good. So if we're gonna go this way, you know who would have been better? Who? That guy from No Country for Old Men. I from no country james brolin the bad guy the bad guy in no country for old men oh javier bardem yeah 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 that's okay right. yeah and that guy has like a square face is like looks for like roland? He, yeah yeah he'd be like a a badass roland but you mean him as an adult but remember this is well here's the other thing is like He's like 20 in this, right? Well, he's supposed to be, that's the other thing is now we know for sure what the rumors were that this is going to be set like in Wizard of Glass era, Gunslinger is Born era. So like 
we're talking like right after he you know goes and does his trial too early and runs after so he's like okay so they went with probably supposed to be like 16 17 i can't remember how old roland was i was 14 wasn't well like he did the trial two years early and 16 was your your escape zone okay so he's supposed to be roughly 14 for some reason i was thinking wizard and glass he was like 20 I don't, I mean, I know he's been on the trail. I don't know how much time has passed because mm. it's been so many years since I read Wizard and Glass. Me between, um, you know, what happened, you know, I, I think it all happened pretty quickly, but I'm unclear. Like, <laughs> we unclear. really need to speed this up, Rachel, so we can get to the next book. <laughs> I know, I know, we do. We need to crank <laughs> these suckers out. So, obviously, we're getting a reboot. Personally, I'm pretty sad to see Idris go just because I like I we envisioned him like telling these campfire tales of like his story. That was sort of the wraparound. Yeah. But at the same time, like as sad as I am to lose Idris, I don't really care that we're losing Jake. I know that's (laughs) terrible, but he just was never Jake for me. Like the kid is a great actor. He's fine. No shade to him. I just he was wrongly cast in my opinion. I mean, we waited this long. Could you just had Jake play? Uh, you know, the gunslinger. You can basically play Roland if you Yep, exactly, like right? <laughs> um, you know, and, it, like, I personally am, I'm excited that it's being done in this format. I'm excited that we're just going to go ahead and go straight into Wizard and Glass. I think this is the right format for this series, because, like, I was thinking about how pissed people would be if they, like, we had, like, we did it in, with gun started with Gunslinger, and then we get to the end of, of Wastelands with that freaking cliffhanger and they were like all right two seasons back in time you know like basically the experience <laughs> we had as book readers i don't feel like tv watchers would be as like forgiving to a, such no. an out of order plot no ex- i mean yeah i think about like what happened with walking dead when they like had the cliffhanger of who ne- negan killed or whatever i don't know i fell off that show but like yeah imagine two season seasons one. oh yeah i mean probably that was the right call like i, I mean they kill like two main cost. characters and you're like done you yeah. know, I've lost all my like uh, um, attachment to this. You know, kinda, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's what we know now. Um, the other thing I'm wondering though, and it's is that along with Idris Elba, which was my number one, well, probably actually second to this favorite thing about the movie, I'm wondering if we're losing the idea that that movie was a, like now that movie was a sequel, right? Like we had it was the last time around. Which was a concept that I was very excited about when the movie was announced, and Until like we got the didn't do good at it. No, but my I, my point is is does our is this adaptation going to be book adaptation or is it actually going to be like its own story? Because you know because it has the way that this franchise is set up is that it could very much be its own thing from the from the start, um, and so I guess I'm wondering how you feel about that if you're sad to see the last time around thing die what are your thoughts um i'm i'm standing corrected right now in that i looked at the guy from no country for old men and he should actually be the man in black <laughs> by all yeah, means I, that was a strange choice but i was I like i wanted to honor your feelings no no i was completely feelings. wrong like i was visualizing him differently and as soon as i looked at his picture i'm like no no, you know who he looks perfectly like? He looks, he looks like the Randall Flag. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He yeah. play he looks very similar to Randall Flag and like and he would he's be a perfect. As hell. Yes. He would be such a good one. Especially with that hair. Oh my god. Oh god, you want him to have like the what what's his name? The like weird part or whatever yeah. they call it. The the like uh fancy man's hair from the like 1500s. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. It would be kind of almost historically correct. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. I'm sorry. Back to your question. Um so the idea of them like doing the last run around yeah. was a really good idea. Yeah. But it was poorly executed. Yeah. And because of that, you've basically thrown that idea out and you right. have to come up with something new. If they would have nailed it, then we would be seeing a sequel or right. a mini series or whatever, but instead right. we got this like, well, hey guys, why don't we take this other section of the book and do that? Right, but do you feel like if this is successful, if they pick it up, it, like the pilot gets picked up and they turn into a series and it's successful and they like run through the whole series, are we going to get the book ending or are we going to ultimately realize that this is like the final time around? No, no, we're going to get the book ending. You think so? 
Yeah, why would you do that? Like, okay, so if you build this out, like a Game of Thrones or whatever. Yeah, that and Game you of like Thrones go... is my exact example, but yes, go ahead. Well, yeah, except you don't have, like, J.J. Abrams or whatever the guy's name is waiting to, to, to kick the bucket at, like... J.J. Uh, Abrams! Whatever that guy, R.R. Uh, <laughs> Tolkien or... Oh, my God! <laughs> he, has, like, he has two letters and a name, I know it. Um... <laughs> But but anyway, whatever that guy's name is, like, so with this, like, you can't go back to the uh, movie material after you've gone that far because basically right. by starting here, you're saying, like, I, I negate the movie. The movie does not exist. And right. then you go through it, and, like, people are excited about it. So then you kind of – so I, I guess the part of me that knows the ending is, like, no, don't do that. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. But the part of me that does – doesn't know the ending would be like well uh i want it to stay true to form so that when i do my uh uh, book report in high school i can get it right (laughs) so i i'm glad that you referenced game of thrones because i actually was going to reference game of thrones and that i my gut and this is obviously full conjecture because we don't have the series yet but like in Rachel's America, here's how I think this is going to go. I think it's going to start off as like a totally faithful adaptation and like Game of Thrones, as it goes on, it's going to start like making its own choices to the point where when we get to the end, it's like its own thing. So like Stephen King is going to be like, well, I like what you did here. Why don't we do this instead? I mean, I think Stephen King probably won't show up. Well, he shows up in all of his stuff and he's probably like on either the production list or something, right? Right. They can't. I don't know. I don't know how that will translate to a like to a TV audience. Well, and that's why I was trying to poorly remember the dude's name from uh, Game of Thrones because, like, he basically since he didn't get the books done while they're finishing the television series, yeah. he was like dictating what he thought they could do to like get him to the end. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was basically well, he said basically his end is different than the series. Yeah, but he was helping them to get to the end point because he didn't finish his books yet. So I, I will I will end it with this and say that uh, a video adaptation always drifts from a book adaptation yeah, because it's very hard to have the same flow and structure as a book. And because of that, this will definitely have different elements in it because it's inherently a different medium. But if you had your choice, would you rather it be a a 100% – like adaptation of the series ends up ultimately in the same place or would you like to have more resolution and have it ultimately be a situation where this was like the next time around through the the wheel and it worked out uh i would have to say your second one is my choice because mine too yeah i feel like yeah i i kind of want a faithful adaptation up through wolves of kala (laughs) and then i feel like liberties more more and more liberties can be taken i don't know though it'll be interesting to see how my feelings evolve as we continue through the books. well and then if they do stay true to form uh a spoiler heavy spoiler guys who yeah. plays stephen well, king yeah right well i mean i guess he could play himself He's, is he young enough to play himself i mean this and to get there, hit this... by a van and all that business and Oof, man Oh, God, you're taking me back. You're just reminding me of Jake getting hit by the van. I'm very <laughs> sad. I'm suddenly very sad. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Spoilers. <laughs> um, okay. So as last but not least, uh, let's see here. As far as when we're going to actually see this, uh, according to Deadline, the project is getting very close to a formal pilot order. Um, they still have not actually ordered this to series yet so they're working on the pilot now and then once they see the pilot they'll ultimately decide whether or not to move forward with the series so my fingers are massively crossed that this is good and so we'll actually get to see it and we'll get the series that we've all been dying for for a million years and then amazon will realize that they're wasting a bunch of money on original content and drop it like somewhere in the middle Shut up. Just putting that out there all right i think that's it for the news yeah that's it for news so all right Yeah.
So if you want to get in touch with us and let us know what you thought of this chapter, like maybe we missed something in the dream section that you're like, hey, this was a big deal. You missed it. Uh, let us know. Um, you can reach us at uh, by email at castofcaw at zombiegirls.com or you, on the Facebook group. You can send us a message there. Join us. Hang out. Put cool things in the, in the group. We would love to see you there. And if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Five stars. Okay, thanks. Uh, <laughs> DJ, where else can they find you on the internet? As usual, guys, you can find me at DSLRFilmNoob.com. You can find me on YouTube at One Lone Dork and DSLRFilmNoob. You can find me on Twitter, DSLRFilmNoob. Uh, I think there's a trend here. Uh, sometimes on other podcasts, depending on the veracity of our recording rate. Uh, this is basically the most podcasting I do these days. So you can also find me here with our wonderful co-host, Rachel. Aww. We got to save all – we're getting all the good, like – you like save up all of your good podcast juju and like give it all to us so <laughs> <laughs> all right if you want some more of these sexy dulcet tones you can find me on the zombie girls podcast um on the stream queens podcast and yeah i think that's it <laughs> <laughs> all right dj take us out as always thanks for listening to another wonderfully horse-filled episode because uh, I mentioned horses once, I think, uh, of Cast of Cause. <laughs> Thanks for coming by and we will see you next time. Bye, Bye everybody! <laughs>